I hope that we're going to have some discussion in this session. So if you want to try to shift, or you'll just have to angle and look at each other, because you're not talking to me. We're talking to each other in this. The so, chairs are awkwardly interlocked. So oh, they are. So, <laughs> so don't move them, I guess. <laughs> just, uh, this is all about all of us talking to each other. OK. Uh, should we get started? We're two minutes early, but. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to pray for us when we get started. Father, we just praise you that you are good and you have done good to us by uh, giving us Jesus and that he is the reason that we're here, that all of life and ministry is bound up in um, what you have already accomplished for us in Christ. And so we pray that you would keep that at the forefront of our minds as we head into this time together, Lord, that even as we strive to be practical, that we would keep... Um, keep our thoughts and feelings and words anchored in what is true. Please go before us at this time by your spirit um, and accomplish what you have appointed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, welcome to the, the women's track. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Kendra Dahl. I am originally part of River City here. I came here almost eight years ago. I heard the gospel for what felt like the first time, and then I never left until this summer. My family, we just relocated to Southern California where my husband is going to Westminster Seminary. So it's fun to be back here. Um, women's discipleship is something I'm very passionate about. It's something that I tried to attack head on, fresh out of the gates in my new Jesus-loving life with a lot of abrasiveness and pride and um, some hurt in and then over the years as God worked in my heart and in the hearts of our leadership here at River City it, it eventually evolved into uh, that I served here as our women's discipleship director for the last year or so uh, before we moved so um, I am excited to facilitate discussion particularly for this session uh, the challenges of women's discipleship because I think that we all have different experiences and backgrounds and length of time uh, working in these areas and so I think that we could learn a lot from each other and sharing our experiences and sharing how we work through things. Um, I realize that you know this might have been the only track interesting to you as a woman in attendance but like you might not have a heart that beats for women's discipleship and that's okay. Uh, especially if you're a pastor's wife, I know that sometimes there's this pressure put on pastor's wives that they should be the women's ministry director. And so I'm not going to tiptoe here. I'm just going to trust that we're here to talk about women's discipleship, but it's not meant to be a guilt trip if that's not uh, the thing that you are so excited about. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention um, is just when we're thinking about women's discipleship, what is it that we're actually talking about? Because I know that in some of our churches, that is a formal established ministry where you have leaders in place and you even maybe have a woman on staff serving in that capacity. And in some churches, that's not aligned with your ministry philosophy or you're just not there yet in your church. And women's discipleship looks just like women hanging out, having coffee, talking about Jesus. And, um, and I think that we can talk about all of those things under this umbrella as we consider the challenges that, faith, that we face as we seek to disciple and care for the women who attend our churches, that's really what we're talking about when we talk about women's discipleship, is 
how are we sharing the content of our faith with women? How, how are we helping them to grow as disciples of Jesus? How are we caring for them by pressing that content into their lives and as they press it into our lives? And how are we caring for them as they struggle and they suffer and they fight sin? How are we helping the word of God come to bear on those things and walking through those things together? So that's what I'm talking about when I say women's discipleship. And what that looks like in your church might be varied. So, what are the challenges that we face in women's discipleship, and how can we wisely combat those challenges? That's what I'm hoping we're going to talk about. And I, I want to think about it in three categories. Um, first, what are the challenges that we encounter within ourselves when we think of embarking on women's discipleship? And then what are the challenges that we encounter from within our churches? And then what are the challenges we encounter in the culture? Um, so we'll, we'll talk fast so that we can get to all of those, and hopefully I'll have some time to contribute. Um, so I'm going to give the kind of the category of some things we're thinking about. I'm going to ask you uh, if you've experienced this or sh if anybody wants to share some examples. And then we're going to talk about some of the solutions that we've either, either tried or experienced or just what we know is true from the word and what we think would, that would look like in practical life. So my rules for discussion, we need to be brief. We need to be charitable. I think that it is great to talk about our real challenges with each other. I think this is a safe context where we all have similar experiences, um, but let's not be bashing the people in our churches or our leaders or things like that. Uh, and uh, we want to be biblical, brief, charitable, biblical. And when I say when I say biblical, it doesn't mean that you can't share your opinion. But let's think about these things in light of God's word. If you have been convicted by Scripture, if you have been aligned through um, a book that you've read or a talk that you've heard, let's just, let's share some sources so that we can even distinguish between what is your opinion and what is uh, grounded. So, not that your opinions aren't grounded, but you know what I'm saying. All right, so what are the challenges that we've encountered in ourselves when we think about ministry to women? Anybody have anything that comes to mind? Okay, I'll start. You got one? I got comfort level. Yeah, starting like, that conversation or just going outside our comfort zone back to it. Yeah. Get it going. <laughs> yeah. Like insecurity, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fear of man, uh, maybe even our own personalities. So uh, when I think of, I think fear of man was the big one that comes up for me. When I started, especially in a more formal capacity, uh, serving in women's discipleship, it was like all the fear of man just exposed. Everything I everything I planned, everything I communicated, every Facebook post, I'm just like consumed through the day. Like, what are, how are women receiving this? Oh no, did that person think that they meant this other thing? Did They all hated it. I'm like hiding in the bathroom at our first women's workshop, texting my husband like, I'm not going out there. Um, have any of you experienced that? Have you felt the vulnerability of putting yourself out there? Wondering what they're going to think of you. Right. What if I say something that, I don't know, they're not going to like? Or what if they say something that just sounds completely out there? Yeah. So how do you combat that challenge? As the fear of man is exposing you, as your insecurity uh, is exposed, or even this having to step out of your comfort zone, you're just a shy person and wanting to initiate with women. How do you combat those things? Or how have you? Yeah. 
Come on, guys. Time is short. Somebody has to just be bold. No fear here. <laughs> but you're fine. Something I, I think about a lot is how, how much that reflects what, how, how often I think about myself. And like all these women are, you know, to some extent thinking about themselves. And so, like, if I'm focusing on all my insecurities, I'm not loving them hmm. at all. Yeah, that's good. What we really need is to help ourselves and each other look to Jesus, right? That's the goal, but it's hard, hard to do. It's good, it's good to be reminded that we don't have the answers, that we know truth, which I had, the Bible has the answers, but I think sometimes when you are amidst those conversations with other women, there's that pressure to have an answer, and like, like I, you know, either you can't relate to the struggles that they're dealing with, but you want to still be able to point them to truth, or the transparency in your own self if you can relate to be willing to be transparent, because then all of a sudden, like, well, do I look like a weaker person? Like, there's just all of those kind of come to the top amidst amidst that mm -hmm. thinking that you have to be the one to have the answer and recognizing that you know the one. Well, men in the back, I'm going to put you on the spot to say, because uh, I think this is true for pastors, too. You are called to engage in women's discipleship, and I imagine that that creates some discomfort and insecurity, right? Of like, <laughs> how are you feeling about being in this room filled with women right now? Uh, would you be willing to share any sort of just how you have worked through or are working through that, how you engage the women in your congregation? Yeah. Um, well, I guess the real reason for me to be in here is to learn more about uh, the different struggles that females can uh, go through that I might not know of. And the reason that I could um, feel passionate about this right now is a person who's co-leading my community group, a small group, as a female. I'm a single male, actually. I'm not a pastor. Okay. So I feel like I have zero understanding of how to, like, like what's the... What's the way to lead healthy, um, and how can I take what other females struggle with and understand what she might be struggling with, or any I got three ladies in my church here, what they struggle with or don't struggle with, and how can I use that to her the gospel? Mm -hmm. So, a specific example of that a struggle right now in our church is like, how far do you take female leadership um, within a small group? How far do you take it within the church? What influence can they have in praying in front of people, that type of thing? Uh, it was just, you know, just wrestling with that as a church right now. Yeah. I'm here to be a student. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I don't know if we'll get into all the nuances of that particular question. Uh, but yeah, put that on the list for next year. Uh, what about our baggage regarding women's ministry? How have you seen that? Um, whether your past women's ministry experience or your um, perception of women's ministry, how has that helped or hurt you when it comes to engaging in women's discipleship? I, I came from a, a, a background of being a Jacobin advocate, and so I came from the era when you really had your last lesson plans written out for 
30 some years later, it's not quite packaged like that. It's not felt. My perception is it doesn't want to be received so structured. Hmm. And so then I have to do the backpedaling of, well, is there anything I'm putting out there of any value if I can't expect, you know, a little more, you know, read that chapter before we meet again. Yeah. Or, you know, it just seems changed and then I get a little doubting myself on is our time of, the, of value if it's just talking, you know, I mean, so. Yeah. And what your expectations yeah. are and how it's received or not received. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you walked through that <laughs> then? Well, I think I'm just having raised millennials now, you know, just kind of like similar church millennials. I take a deep breath and, you know, try to like, well, your problems aren't felt needs. They're a real thing. So, um, I'm, I'm here to hear, you know, and, and try to understand that there's value in, in letting people, you know, be where they're at and, and then take them, you know, for my life lessons or just even scripture, but not have to have a big, you know, lesson plan and follow this, these steps and you're going to find you know, great life at the end of having done these things. Because, you know, people don't want to do those things. Yeah. You know, so I'm just being more yeah, I think that what you said is so important when you think about women's discipleship, especially in a complementarian context where there are some churches where women feel invisible because it's not clear. Where can I serve? Where do I belong? Who can I talk to? So there are things we can do in our churches on a structure level to help identify who those women are so the pastor can always know this woman would love to connect with other, a woman in need or things like that. But there is also that component for us as we're ministering to be attentive to that of like, you just want to know, like, I see you. Yeah. I hear you. You're a part of this. We're, you're part of our family here, right? But you also, uh, I think you talked about a skill that I think is so essential in women's discipleship, which is knowing the word and being able to uh, relay it conversationally. I think that's, I like having a lesson plan is way more comfortable for a lot of us, <laughs> right? It's like, I want to be able to look it up beforehand. I want to know if they're going to ask me about this, like, and I'm not going to know where it is. I want to feel prepared. But we, I'm sure, have all experienced those conversations where you would never have been prepared for that question that they were asking. So I think that is one of the practical things. It's like, we have to be women who know the word, and we have to be women of humility who are willing to say, I don't know about that, but I'd love to find out with you. Or... I'm willing to do the hard work of walking through that question with you and not just slap a, an answer. Other challenges you face within yourself as you have engaged in ministry? I think a lot like, of the idea of what women's ministry will consist of. And so we've, uh, I mean, we, the, the church that I go to, the Connection Church, we 
talk a lot about like disciples making disciples and so in past experiences with women's ministry it's been come do this craft project together or come and like have a day of doing this and so since being a part of this church it's really been no like this is intentional time to be a disciple that builds other women disciples and if it's if it's anything other than that like that's okay but then call it what it is like if you're doing crafts or if you're going shopping like call it a shopping trip and call it a craft day like that's not women's discipleship women's discipleship is building up other disciples and so for me it's been like this turn of okay it's not me building like a dream board or you know something like it's it's actually like knowing the word humbling myself to to talk about things that maybe I'm not comfortable talking with or women that um it's are different for me and it might be hard for me to connect with them but knowing that like that's what I'm called to do and so kind of I guess changing my idea of what I've grown up thinking women's discipleship is to actually know this is what it should be yeah that's good I think that gets out that baggage or our perceptions of like oh that's not what I thought this was it's not just a shared interest group Right. <laughs> oh, you like to do that? So do I. Let's hang out. But on that, I have to, I had listed here first, I guess not quite first. Um, for me, it's like the top of my list when I thought of challenges within myself, uh, pride. And that was the first thing it, was, it for me when it was like, well, we need a women's ministry and here is exactly what it should look like. Um, and that caused a lot of angst and hardship in my own heart as I'm trying to bring this to my elders and they're like no that doesn't align with our church's ministry philosophy and I I took that poorly because I was so sure I was right and I feel like it is this process of the Lord very graciously helping me to see there is not one way for women's ministry to be effective Um, and what was really sweet during that time that season of waiting and praying and (coughs) and just wondering what is this going to look like at our church, um, the Lord kept placing these single women in our missional community. My husband and I led a small group together, and he kept placing these single women in our missional community, and um, I would have opportunities to walk with women through hard things. Or they, I have women in my home constantly uh, just having coffee, or they're just part of our family. And it was this, I, I don't remember when or how, but I feel like it was this, light bulb of like the Lord has allowed me to engage in women's ministry in the philosophy of our church in the season that our church is in and it doesn't look like what I thought it should look like but it is fruitful and it is sweet and it is what he's doing right now and um, and then the Lord was gracious to allow us to move into a season of some more formal things but that just really helped me to see there is more to this than this picture I have of like events where someone opens and teaches the Bible and we are getting content, which I think is so important and good, but might not be where everyone is. So I think the pride of thinking my way is the best way. Um, And then to feel in our pride condemning of people who think women's ministry either should be only organic with no structure or crafts and things you know there is that humility of saying like okay I know I talked with Natty who from Hope who's a women's ministry director there in the cities and 
I did a coaching call with her when I was first starting in my job, and one of the things she challenged me on is she said, women will not share their hearts with women they have not first enjoyed. That there is a place for having some fun together. There's a place for just like fellowship and enjoyment and shared interests, and that's okay. Like you said, it doesn't have to be, uh, I like when I was women's discipleship director, I'm like, I'm not gonna plan it. I'm not gonna, that's not gonna be the thing that I'm gonna put my time into. Um, but if that's going to happen organically, if people want to do that, or if you're full-time and you have time to plan those things and that goes with your church, great. Like, those, you know, but um, but being willing to see kind of the full range of the spectrum of women's ministry, that there's uh, there's a lot, a lot to it. Any last thoughts about challenges within us before we think about from within our church? I know we kind of, we'll probably blend the lines a little, but... Suddenly, like, oh, you, it's, I know pastors say they feel this, or pastors' wives, where there's kind of that, like, now you're the leader, and you're not really, are you safe, or can I be myself with you, and suddenly it's like, do I have any friends, like, am I just mentoring or discipling people, or are, are can we just be peers, is that okay, if we just, like, uh, and I think that contributes to the discouragement as well, it's like, having people that you can share share the struggles of ministry with. Have any of you found, have you put things in place, or you found ways to experience encouragement and community in the midst of doing ministry? So just a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling incredibly discouraged, feeling exactly what you were just describing. Like, I'm feeling really lonely right now. Feeling like I don't know where my friends are anymore. Like, I feel like I'm just kind of in these mentoring relationships all of a sudden. And I haven't been intentional with, like, the women who, who regularly would be praying for me. I just haven't been reaching out like I should. But then there were some older women in our church that just, like, recognized something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of, like, came and said, Andrew, you need to, like, ask for help. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't need help. I don't want to burden you with that. Like, Andrea, <laughs> you're doing this for other people. Why are you not also getting counsel yourself? And like, yeah, you're right. I need to be doing that because I'm starting to just think that don't need anything in community, like mm-hmm. I don't need community, I, I'm, I'm preaching it to everyone else, but I'm not living it, mm-hmm. and so just having people who come and I just, I, I call it like a loving review, <laughs> like stop it, 
you stop whatever you're doing because you're burning yourself out. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of women, both, like the same week, who both asked like if they could meet with me, and I was like, well, that seems like overkill. But I did it anyway. <laughs> and I went one, one day and then one the next day. And it was really nice. And I just felt like sort of that discouragement or that loneliness just lift. Like people want to know me, and I can be known. And I think for the men in the back of the room, women really want to be known. They really do. And for both men and women. Like, and it doesn't have to be weird. Like, I, have, I actually had a long talk with Jonathan about this whole Nashville about, because he's like, how do I, like, like, how do I disciple women? What if I, like, make them cry? And I'm like, so that that happens. Put your hand on their shoulders. <laughs> that would be okay. <laughs> he told us you said that. Okay. <laughs> I said, what if I make you And this is maybe thinking, we talked about knowing the word for even to feel able to be conversational about it. But I also think there's, um, there are contexts where maybe you're teaching the word and our, a lot of our training or our history of the church is like, well, we better bring in a speaker to do that. Because within our midst, we have this, these feelings of inadequacy or we're not equipped to do that. I can't teach the word. And um, that is something I did want to challenge as we're here because I just really believe that any woman, any man or woman, can become equipped to faithfully teach the Word of God. And it's something we shouldn't take lightly. It's not like I, you should just open the Bible and feel like you can teach. But especially now, there are so many resources available to become equipped to do that. And so I think that fighting that feeling of inadequacy so that within our church, we are faithful teachers of God's word and we're raising up other women to be able to confidently teach God's word, that we don't have to feel like, well, only Jen Wilkin can do that or only whatever big name speaker can come in and do that, but that we are all growing and being able to faithfully uh, do that. And I think that comes from being intentional to learn. And I know that that takes time and it's hard, but it's uh, not rocket science, you know? We, um, the Simeon course is a very straightforward online course that you can take for relatively cheap. That is a course on Bible exposition. It, it, you can get an overview, how to study and prepare to teach a text. Then you can study by genre going through the Bible. Then you can study by uh, biblical theology, the whole storyline of the Bible, how do we how do we teach? And then I think they even have a systematic theology. How are we teaching with still plugging it into the categories for our faith? So that is a really practical, easy tool to be equipped. We went through it with a small group of leaders here, just the basic overview of how to teach the Bible. And it was really fun. We all, it's like you feel more equipped even in your own personal study of the word to do that, but then also more confident to feel like I can teach the Bible to others. It's not that crazy. Uh, the Simeon course. Uh, I think it's just Simeon.org, but I could have made that up, so maybe you should. <laughs> uh, okay, so what are what are some challenges that we have encountered uh, within our churches when we uh, engage in ministry to women? I know for me, one thing I've seen um, is just when women's ministry takes the place of other relationships. So, for instance, I've been married 23 years, 
as a married woman, I go to women's ministry and word vomit everything happening in my marriage relationship long before I talked about it with my husband. Hmm. And so I've seen lots of churches kind of hit really hard times because that was what their women's ministry was, so it was very needs-based. Um, and then the relationship suffered. You know, like it wasn't friend-to-friend talking through friend stuff. It was me telling everybody in the church all of the horrible things my husband did last week. Sure. You know, and yeah. so. Yeah, how do we guard against that in our churches? Keeping the women's ministry from taking the place of, I mean, I think marriage is a big one that is often mentioned when we think of even women's ministry baggage. It's like, it's just the place where the women go bash their husbands. Um, but even, I know a concern of our church, and I think this is probably true of Acts 29 churches, is like, missional communities are our thing. We want all of our people plugged into a missional community. And if we start adding these other options, is that going to detract from plugging into women's ministry. Um, so are those things you've experienced that you've uh, got theories on? How has that looked like in your churches? Or uh, what would you like to see? You look like you're about to talk, so. <laughs> I mean, I can say I have seen even here at our church where we have some gals that, you know, want to have that women's connection but they don't want to be open and transparent in the missional community. They won't talk to the women that are in the missional community. They sit there and say, we need to have more women's things because I need to connect one-on-one with a woman. And I'm like, I asked you last week if you wanted to connect. Hmm. You know, you know. so they, yeah. they think they can only do it in the context of women's ministry. And mm-hmm. so like just being able to figure out how do we, how do we teach that, that that's open that it can be that there's um, 
it's really personal and shame-filled and not something that they're comfortable sharing in that context. And I think we need to honor that and be patient with that. There might be a time when that comes, but to pursue and offer those single gender environments where people can share vulnerably those things is important and there's a place for that. Um, but I think like in our missional communities, there has to be vulnerability modeled among the women in your group. So it's like maybe in some cases, the challenge isn't to that person who's not willing to share. The challenge is to the other women who are more mature and more uh, part of things to say, we need you to share more so that the women see this is a place where both men and women are sharing and contributing to the conversation and receiving truth from each other. You know, uh, I think that that's sometimes the challenge, and then I would say, and then there's the direct challenge. Um, and we need to acknowledge, like, there are different personalities. I am just not someone who's ever shied away from speaking up in a mixed gender environment. Jody, I don't think you are either. Uh, but there are people who feel deeply uncomfortable in those settings. And it maybe isn't the mixed gender, it's just like the 15 people, and they really just need a group of three or four that you know that they would feel more comfortable with. So I feel like there's, um, again, we've got this spectrum of we see a problem and to diagnose what is really the problem. There may be multiple solutions you that apply. Like you've offered one on one. Right? Yeah, and that feels like, like that's where it's yeah, like this may be just like that's a, this girl doesn't know what she wants, <laughs> and uh, and we, in that. We pray. <laughs> we just pray because Lord help us. We don't know what to do with these women, you know. Uh, other challenge, other challenges within our churches. How about our elders? Are they challenges in women's ministry? I'm gonna go there. <laughs> but well, they're recording this, so I'm not. I'm not ashamed. No. Um, I thought this would be. Uh, Obviously, we're not going to sit here and say, yeah, because my pastor, blah, blah, blah. But I think the reality is being in an elder-run church when we have ideas, and we definitely know women better, or at least we feel like we do, um, can be a challenge to women's ministry. I mean, I described what that looked like for us, where it's like, I think this is what it should look like, and I'm willing to do it. And they're like, no, that was hard. Uh, so how do we deal with those challenges where maybe our philosophy of ministry or what we want to see happen in our churches doesn't align to what our elders see as the vision of the church and the philosophy of the church and where, where we are in this season of our church's life? How do we deal with that challenge or how have you dealt with that challenge? No one else is going to speak up about their pastors. I guess I, I can speak up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. So I'm, I, I get to be on the line of I kind of know some things that are happening, but I don't always know where it's coming from. But I'm just getting like, you know, because you're a pastor's wife. Pastor's wife. So, um, but I, but I challenge my husband and I challenge the pastors just as much, like asking like, so where do we fit here, or what are you seeing where we can be used, or do you want us, you know, do you want people trained? Do you want them to be just doing things where they're not trained, but they're doing it on their own? Like, what exactly does this look like? And sometimes they just literally haven't thought about it because nobody asked them. It's like, challenge them to think through that. What is it that you want to see in this church? What does fit with the philosophy? Make them think and pray through it. 
and then give them time to get back to you on it. Let them really prey on that because sometimes their first reaction, not just like us, it's not always the best. That's what I've noticed, right? They need to talk through it, they need to go and they need it. And I'm totally okay with the, the philosophy of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I tell my patients that all the time, the nurse. Like, keep calling, you know, keep, you know, and give them a reason about them all the time. But, <laughs> not like daily, but you know, give them some time and then come back and say, hey, you know, we met a couple weeks ago. Have you thought, have you prayed, where are we at on that? Because sometimes they've got a, things that they're trying to also pray and work through. So I'm kind of coming at, I, I kind of see it from both sides, because I have the same questions. Hey, what should I be doing here? I feel like I'm just kind of like, I could be doing something, and I, mm -hmm. I'm not, and I won't be the best So humbly approaching the subject, asking yeah. questions, help me understand. Help me understand. Help me understand. That I think is a really important posture. Help me understand how the church, how you see that we can do this. Help me, help me see how I can serve. Um, sometimes the ways we want to serve are not the ways that God has called us to serve in this season. So at, to to take the humble posture of help me understand is is far different than you guys are totally missing this. And uh, that doesn't go well, it turns out. <laughs> I think that, that we could turn it the other way on ourselves and take that time to pray through, like, is this really the right direction? Mm -hmm. And then pray for our pastors that they would come to a place where every decision they make is, is this what God has called us to? Is this good for our church? Is this good for our flock? Is this good for the men who are part of our flock? Is this good for the women who are part of our flock? Is this good for the children who are, like, to actually physically see those different things? The answer to some of those might be no. Mm -hmm. And that's where we then, as women, take that 100% personally, and it becomes all about us, and oftentimes it's because we didn't do a really good job on the front end of praying through it to understand it fully ourselves, and then like just praying for our pastors mm -hmm. so that they would see the full church. And I know they do, but sometimes when they kind of stop at, is it good for our church? Mm -hmm. And they don't go, is it good for our men? Is it good for our women? Is it good for our children so just praying that they come to a place where where they're thinking specifics when they're thinking congregation not just high level yeah that makes sense yeah i think uh so i started praying for our pastors and just praying lord like this is my heart's desire and you have i feel like you've gifted me to do this and you are not providing me opportunities though it turns out you kind of was i just wasn't really um but then I just prayed that the Lord would grow my respect for our pastors. And uh, there was an opportunity where I was caring for a woman in our congregation, and we needed to meet with the pastors. And we were here late one night, all of us, there were like five of us, um, this woman and I and three of our elders met. And I watched them minister to this woman. And I was, I'm still going to be brought to tears, to just see their depth of love and care for this woman. And think like I have misjudged these men and I have written them off as men who don't care about women but I don't see what happens behind closed doors and I don't see the late night conversations I don't see the couples where they're ministering to both husband and wife I don't see the single women they're bringing into their homes and their families and and maybe they're not maybe we do need to you know challenge them but uh, we also there's that giving the benefit of the doubt of like 
what is happening that I am not privy to and cannot just assume that these things are not happening in ways that I don't see. Um, when I had two coaching calls when I started my job. One was with Natty and one was with Jen Wilkin. And both of them used the same line. They said, you have to steward your voice. And, um, and so that is another thing when I think of elders. Um, if we are the squeaky wheel who just like never ever stops squeaking, then we kind of are just white noise where it's like we're one of those people who goes home and writes the email after the sermon that every week those pastors get those super discouraging emails and, and we're with that person who is a source of discouragement and uh, pain to our pastors. And is that really the people that we want to be? Uh, I think of in Hebrews, Hebrews 13 it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. I, that just like wrecks me, thinking, in what ways have I inhibited our pastor's ability to do their job with joy? And so when we think about, that doesn't mean we don't challenge, we don't ask questions, and we don't press for change where change is needed. But we do that thinking, God has entrusted them with the watch of our souls, and so I want them to do their job with joy. Um, other challenges within our church? I think so too. And I'd especially like to hear from um, some older ladies, or at least, well, we have a lot of 20-somethings in our church, and so I don't know if this is like unique. Um, one would be social media, and like people feeling like really left out or hurt by that. Um, and the other is, um, kind of goes along with it, I hear meeting with women who just, they feel left out, but they always use the phrase, I'm just better at talking to guys. Like, I just don't, I can't, like, I understand girls as well, I'm not as comfortable. And like, so kind of how to address those two things. Yeah, those are great questions. Anyone? too with the women who prefer relationships with men um, so we just moved we're in the seminary community and we don't know anybody so we're doing all the seminary things like trying to meet people well there's a seminary wife group that is killing me um, and just like our first event was a tea party I'm like really do must we you know and and then we talk about our babies and our husbands and I'm like my husband goes and gets to drink beer and talk about theology so like I'd rather hang out with the guys you know and I think that's sort of where that's coming from it's like we get together with as women and we do fluffy stupid things 
And so I'd rather be with the guys. And so I think part of that is like to initiate things with women that are substantive, that it's like you have made time to be here and I am gonna honor that time by giving you steak, not cupcakes, you know? Store-bought ones. I don't know. Uh, I'm like, cupcakes are not that bad, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think, so I think that's part of it is like, what are we offering to women? It's like the guys get to go do this fun thing and talk about great things and we get together and have to dress nicely and have manners and be quiet. I think sometimes we work really hard on trying to tell the men how different women are and then we forget how different women are. I, I can tell you not all women cry. Yeah. Some women make other women cry, but they themselves don't cry. You know, and so yeah. like you know, Andrea and I love you to death, but we are completely different women. We get joy out of completely different things. And Andrea will cry when I hug her and I will not cry. <laughs> I love you, but I'm not gonna cry. You know, and so yes. some we, people love tea parties. Yeah. I don't get it. It's really hard to tell everybody else how different we are. Right. But then we expect all of the women to conform to whatever image we decided women need to conform to. Yeah. Agreed. I've actually been very jealous of my husband and said, like, you get to do way cooler stuff than I get to do. Like, you're mad. Like, you go and do these group things. I'm like, why can't I come? <laughs> like, like, I want to I do that. You guys are watching the game. Oh, I want to come watch the game. Are you getting wings? Like, they do fun things. And they don't, we don't have to stay in that. We can do fun things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do believe that women's ministry is the ministry of more than halfway. A lot of men, it's just easy for them to be able to go get drinks after work. Uh, and if I'm going to do that, I have to line up childcare. I have to make dinner for my family. I have, to, you know, I have different responsibilities. And it doesn't mean that my husband isn't great and gracious to give me those things, just as I give him those things. We, it's not just like he gets to go whenever he wants and I don't. But there's, for a lot of women, it takes a different kind of effort to be able to participate in those things. Um, and so I think that's part of it too, is, is we struggle to accommodate the different types of women. When it comes to social media, I think of, um, that another women's ministry baggage for a lot of people is like the clickiness within women's ministry and that social media perpetuates that because it makes it look like the cool kids are hanging out and I didn't get invited and so, I, you know, my women's ministry stinks. Um, and so I'm not sure, I, I'd love to hear more about where, how you would combat that, um, but I think that part of that is rooted in some of that baggage of like thinking there's clickiness going on and perpetuating that fear of missing out. Sometimes we put it on ourselves to be like, okay, sometimes I, how about that? Let's just be honest. Sometimes I feel like I put it on myself that I have like, oh, I talked to so-and-so, they really want to do that. I have to be the one to probably organize that or think about that or plan it or, you know, if that's my job, I need to do that. And I forget, like, part of my job is equipping other people to also do some of those things. And so when you're meeting with some of these women who desire you know, to have the stake and do something like walk with them and what would that look like? Would you be willing to do that? I would love to attend that. I would totally be willing to help you. Like, how can I, you know, bring a few other women around you? And all of a sudden, they are known. And some of the reason that social media makes them feel so insecure is that fear of man 
comes back. I mean, it's like right there yes. all the time. Always. So, and so then you have that opportunity for them to be known. And once you are known for things that are of the Lord, uh, my hope would be that their heart would start to change from like, I need to be known for how great I am. And you know, the social media fear out there would slowly start to dissipate. I mean, we're still all sinful people and there's that fear of man that creeps in at awkward moments. But equipping those women, like you don't have to feel left out. Like, you know, what would you want to do? Like, I would go. That sounds fantastic. And I have to remember that for myself. Like, I don't have to be the creator of all things. And that because there are other women who have different giftings and are way better at some things than me or are more creative and like to kind of free them to do some of that rather than feeling like that all falls on us because for me then that kind of creates a little bit of resentment if I'm honest that like now I have to try to be something for that group of people and that you know yeah. and rather than recognizing it as like kind of an overarching how do I care for some of these women and equipping them to do some of that I don't know yeah. and I think I think you have to define your ministry like in terms of what is, we're a few friends in church who got together that night versus like, I am the women's ministry director and I have planned this event um, because one requires a different degree of communication. Have you effectively communicated? Was everyone invited? Did everybody know how to participate in this event that your church is hosting? Or was it a select few um, and you really didn't care to communicate to the rest? That's a problem. But if it's that your friends are just hanging out and somebody saw and it and felt like, well, why didn't I get invited? It's not that we don't want to be loving and enter into that with people, but that is different. And I think the way you discern that is by defining, like, what is women's ministry? And, you know, having some very clear umbrellas of what are we taking our time and energy to coordinate on behalf of our elders for the sake of women's discipleship in our church? And what is just, we're doing life with people in our church, and that's great, and that's going to happen in varying ways with varying people at varying times, and that is communicated totally differently. And if we're clear about those things, then we'll have fewer misunderstandings. I'm not saying we won't have any, because, you know, but there will hopefully be fewer misunderstandings um, about, well, why wasn't I included in that or not, you know. Um, we're going to move on. I'm challenges of a lack of leadership or commitment of women within our church. Is that a challenge that you have encountered as you think about women's discipleship? And if not, tell us your secrets. because it's very nuanced, right? In each of our churches, what does it look like for a woman to be in leadership? Um, like in our church, we have uh, every missional community has a male and female leader. And so I think that there have been times where it's like, well, we have men who are ready to lead, but who are the women who can join them in partnering in that leadership? Um, we also have some like structured women's discipleship events type things. Uh, and like having people who are willing to teach or serve in those capacities. Um, so that's that's what I have in mind from my experience, but I'm sure that for other people, if you have a Bible study, who leads the Bible study? Uh, 
who plans those things. So I guess mostly um, I thought that there's a benefit to just building a leadership team, that it's not one person, but it's not every person that I started and just kind of invited anybody who's interested in this, come to a meeting and let's plan. And it was a disaster. It was so many opinions and uh, and it was like, I realized, it helped me realize that my philosophy is not clearly defined yet so that I can communicate it and say, that doesn't fit with what we're talking about here, you know. Um, and so having a, like I said, a defined, this is what we're doing, and then having a small team of people who can help you to do that with some sort of clear expectations for what that looks like to serve in that capacity, I do think helps the, uh, any, Michelle, I feel like you've had really great success in building up some leaders within missional communities. Is there anything you could share with us about what that looked like for you? I think for, well, I will say for women in missional communities, for instance, I think that was probably the hardest thing. and something I probably didn't realize like years ago before where I'm at now, that there was kind of the expectation that there would be a male leader and yet there were always women who were kind of stepping up, but nobody ever gave them like the role. And so then you never know, like, am I tiptoeing? Like, should I be doing this? Maybe that's the wife's job, and maybe maybe I am overstepping. And so when I started last year, that was one of the goals, I guess, that like the philosophy that I wanted to kind of create an opportunity for women to be trained in um, being leaders within their missional community, that is like a co-leader, not, they're not like leading their own missional community, but in that, they went through kind of the leadership development process that we have, and then after that, like part of this is I want you to know that when you're wondering, is this my role? The answer is yes, yes it is. So that you didn't, I don't know, women get weird. When you have a group of women in a group, you get weird. Because it's like, well, I don't know, I don't want a vendor, I'm stepping on our toes, and it's good to care about how you're approaching other women, but it's also really helpful to know, it's helpful for men to know who the male leader is, just as it's helpful for women to know who are the women that I would go to about these things. And so that was kind of what we then put into place so that the women knew, yes, this is your role within this missional community. And the women in that missional community then also know like, oh, she's the one who is kind of heading up things. And so I'm, for us at Southwest, I kind of oversee the female leaders, and my hope is that then they are caring for the people within their missional communities. And so, though I do enter into some of those relationships um, when needed, like I kind of desire to disciple them and allow them to care for them and disciple the women within their group, rather than like I don't want to be the one. I'm really not the one, and so that has. But yes, having a philosophy in mind. Otherwise, honestly, you, there are too many options. And so you could go too many directions and then you're spread so very thin that it would be very difficult. I don't know. But I mean, everybody has different giftings. And so even though Kendra and I kind of worked parallel, she was downtown and I was at Southwest, we had very different looking things, even though we both experienced a lot of the same things. And so we could meet one-on-one -on -one and talk about those challenges that we faced. But at the same time, like her giftings and mine, they look different, and so we use them differently. 
but with still the same end goals in mind. Yeah, helpful. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I think another thing is, uh, and this is not necessarily in terms of leadership, though it could be, but also just in helping people be committed to the work that we're doing, is like, I uh, tried to be as committed as I could to not doing anything that uh, somebody else could do, or somebody else, especially if somebody else was excited to do. You know, I am not going to plan the decor and the setup and any detail for event planning at all. It's just not my thing. And I could like make myself crazy trying to do it, but instead I found the women in our church who love that. And it was so sweet for it to be like, this is a place that you can serve and belong and be committed. Um, and it helps me to feel more uh, freed to do the things that God has gifted and called me to do. And I think that's part of even establishing commitment um, is giving them a place. And it's the same as what you said with leaders. It's like to define a role and call someone to step into it fosters a different kind of commitment uh, than when it's just like, I can maybe help because I don't really know what's going on. So in our last five minutes, uh, let's think about the challenges in our culture. Um, and I, I had in mind, in particular, um, the Christian women's subculture. But I think Christian sometimes should be like this, uh, air quotes around Christian. Uh, when we think about how has the Christian women's subculture affected our work in women's discipleship within the church? Can you experience this? Let's talk about Jen Hatmaker, shall we? All the women in our churches are reading Jen Hatmaker. You know who else they're reading? Jen Hatmaker, I believe, is a sister in Christ. I think she's pretty confused on a lot of things. I think she's misleading a lot of people. I think she believes Jesus is the only way to salvation. Then you've got over here Glennon Doyle. Anybody know Glennon? Glennon is a heretic. She has millions of followers. Just the other day, I clicked on a friend, Facebook friend blog who um, was a Christian friend, and she was sharing about how she's reading Glennon, and she is hilarious. I'll tell you, I read her book. I peed my pants. She is hilarious. I wept. I did all those things while reading this book on an airplane. I was, like, freaking the people out beside me. She is a gifted, engaging writer and speaker, and she is leading the women in our churches astray. And people don't realize, I mean, this woman divorced her husband. She wrote a book about how God saved their marriage after his pornography addiction, then later divorced her husband and is now married to a woman. And the headline of the Washington Post article is Christian Mommy Blogger Marries Abby Wama. So this is what we're up against in our culture is that these Christian women, so our women in our churches think, this is a Christian woman, I'm gonna read her book. Well, her book is fun, it's like brain candy, but it is harmful to women who are not grounded in scripture. And I think that it is so important that we, as people who are engaging in ministry to women, know who these people are, know what they're saying, and can engage thoughtfully and wisely from the scriptures to show this is why this is not true. Because instead what happens is we're Christian women, and I've done this, I'm like, don't read that person. I get frantic. And instead I'm thinking, let's say, let's read it together. Let's read Jen Hatmaker. Let's talk about why, why we have, take issue with these things that she says. 
let's see what can we glean from this from God's common grace and what must we reject because it is flat out false let's read it and evaluate it but maybe you would become a person who warns other people who can say I loved Glennon I'm telling you she's kind of my guilty pleasure because she's hilarious and yet the more I've seen people like friends of mine who follow her and read her and share her things the more I realize like this is so dangerous for the women in our churches because we are not we're not equipped with the discernment that we need to be able to say this is false and that that is what we're dealing with in our culture and particularly in what we would call the Christian subculture is just bad bad stuff and so I, I want to challenge you to become aware of what it is and especially to share with your pastors because I do think it's important that our pastors are aware of these issues and these people um, so that they can shepherd well the women under their care that in their sermons they can point out the things that are in contrast to what is in popular literature or what is in the blog sphere and things like that. Um, any thoughts on Glennon? Glennon and Jen, my friends? No, that's definitely something that's that's happened. I had someone come get excited, like, have you read this book? And I'd be like, no, I haven't. I'm not an avid reader, so I use Wikipedia a lot. Just like look it up and I get the or cliff notes or something on it. And I'm like, let me look it up quick and find out kind of what generally is in the book. And then like share with me the parts that you liked. Because I'm probably not gonna get around to reading the whole thing, but I try to yeah. understand what it is. And I've sat down and like kind of read now Charlie on the other hand, he he'll read the whole thing and he'll do it that night. Speedily. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's happened when someone's coming in and said, I need you to read this book. I think it's a whole new philosophy about church. And he's like Oh, okay. And, he'll and then be the like, next day oh. he'll be like, I read the book. You read I've the book. Exactly. So he's like, okay, I read the book. And I'm, I'm not, I don't have time for that. Um, but, but to get like, but at least try to understand like, what exactly did you like so much about it? And then like, well, let's see what the Bible says about that. And, kind of, and that has been very helpful. And sometimes it's like they kind of come to that conclusion. Like, well, here's kind of what the Bible says in line with that. What do you think? And because you're not just saying like, you, because yeah. then they'll like, forget you, you know, right. like, but give them, kind of like, lead them into that, like, coming to that understanding, yeah, well, maybe this isn't quite gospel-centered like mm-hmm. I thought. It sounded good when I just read it, but I'm not so sure, and like, kind of help lead them through that, because I agree, there's a lot of, you know, waves of stuff going on, and Facebook sort of just escalates it. Yes. It's posts about and for a lot of these women, it's like a whole lot of good with then you find out if you read far enough, you realize that what's down at the bottom is pretty bad. And sometimes it's not as, you know, it seems harmless until it's not. But, uh, but I think what you said is so important, and we can end on this note, it's that when we blast people, and we, I think that's true of so much of what we've discussed in here this hour, is when we just come at it guns blazing, we're so sure we're right, uh, we have wasted the opportunity to actually enter in with somebody and w- walk through to a place of healing and hope and truth. Um, and so we have to humbly be willing to take a step back and evaluate our own hearts and first remember that we desperately need Jesus. And with his help, we engage in ministry with other people knowing the whole time that it's his work. So I'm going to be faithful in the best way that I can 
to pray because I know that it can only happen by God's grace. And I am going to be faithful in the best way that I can to cling to the truth of God's word because I know that's the only source of truth that is actually offering sustenance to these women. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to sleep at night in peace knowing that it is God's grace at work in people through his spirit that is not anything that we can do. So thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you for participating in discussion. I thought, what am I going to do if nobody talks? I don't have anything else planned. So thank you for being here. And we are out of time. So should I pray for us? That makes us feel like we close. <laughs> Father, we praise you uh, for just being present with us here that that all of our different experiences and backgrounds that we can share in the hope of your gospel and then be an encouragement and a challenge to one another as we shared our experiences. And so I just pray that the things that were shared here today, Lord, that you would use them to help cultivate thriving discipleship in your churches of both men and women, um, or that you would use each of us as instruments of grace in the women, in the lives of the women in our church, and that ultimately, Lord, you would allow us to rest knowing that you have accomplished all you need to in Christ and you will not fail to accomplish all that is left um, as you gather your people to yourself. We love you in Jesus' name.